You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. It's on days like this that I appreciate the beauty of the moment, the beauty of life. The temperature has crept above zero for the first time in a number of weeks. The sky is blue, mountains are white. It's white all around, actually. And as I strolled around the town this morning, looking up at the mountains, I breathed in the beauty of the moment. As I said, it's on days like this that I appreciate the wonder of life. Now, you may begin to be saying to yourself, surely we need to appreciate the wonder of life on days that are not like this. And that's actually one of the points of this week's episode, because I only started that by teasing you. Every day, I experience the wonder of life. I appreciate the wonder of life. I appreciate the joy of being alive, of being in the present moment, in the here and now, regardless of what is on my to-do list for the day ahead, and regardless of how early my day might start from a work point of view I'm in, or how late it might end from a work point of view. Regardless of what's going on around me, or what challenges or apparent challenges life might throw at me today, it isn't just that I'm flowing in the moment, I'm appreciating my life. A lot of people talk to me about meditation and gratitude meditation. Some people, when they write in their journals, write about their gratitude. And I often encourage people to go one step further than just gratitude. I'm not belittling gratitude, by the way. Come back to what I mean in a moment. Go a little beyond gratitude and actually into the realms of appreciation. What I mean by going beyond gratitude is that gratitude is often being thankful for what we have. I suppose that's the definition of gratitude. But to the normally minded person, or the person who was brought up, as most of us were, in the Judeo-Christian traditions of the Western world, gratitude, being thankful for what you have, is thanking that you aren't any worse off than you are, or perhaps even, God help us, being thankful for the fact that you're better off than other people. That's not what I'm talking about at all, obviously, because all that that would do is lead us into the realms of one of the most toxic forms of thought, comparative thinking. Look at me in comparison to you. Look at you in comparison to me, what you have that I want. We've talked about that before in the context of people trying to figure out, which they never will, of course, what they really want out of life. They'll only be able to figure out what they think they want out of life because figuring out is a thinking exercise. We know from our previous conversations that if you just let go, if you let yourself rip, the inner you will effortlessly inform you moment by moment, day by day, as to what is best for you, which is so much better than what you think you want. Indeed, what is best for you is beyond the wildest imaginings of our normal way of thinking. But then again, 
you could probably already guess that or perhaps you even know that experientially because our normal way of thinking is restrictive it constrains us it ties us down it blinkers us it closes us off from that which we should be fully appreciating as we immerse ourselves in the moment to moment of the experience of our days now I started today's episode by saying it was a beautiful day here. And it is a beautiful day here. And, you know, people will say to me, but hold on, you've set yourself up so that you can appreciate the beauty of life on a daily basis. Because, you know, where I'm sitting at the moment, I can see out all four sides of my house. And on all four sides, there are mountains some of them beautifully snow-capped some of them trees waving in a gentle breeze the sun is shining and you know it would be very difficult to not sit here and appreciate what i'm experiencing at this moment in time but then you also might say to yourself but i'm new to this place i know i'm here 20 years living in france over 20 years at this stage but you might say to yourself, well, this is so different from where I grew up in urban and suburban Dublin that, you know, I would be a fool not to appreciate there'd be something wrong with me. But then again, I meet people who have lived here all of their lives. I, I encountered one guy this morning when I was out from my walk in the street, just standing, looking up. And an awful lot of people around here do that. They just stand and look up. Now, of course, there will always be the encounter with the individual who is standing looking down. You know the old saying that two men looked out from prison bars, one saw mud, the other stars. It's all about the attitude we bring to the party. It's all about how we feel about the experience of the moment. Now, I want to clarify what I mean by that. Because I do not mean what I think I feel of the experience of the moment. When we're using our minds normally, we feel nothing. We're immune to what's going on around us. We are divorced from what's going on around us. We are actually in a cocoon of crap. A crap cocoon. It's not quite alliteration, but it sounds as if it aptly describes the normal experience of everyday existence. But when you stop using your mind that way, it really doesn't matter what is around you. There's beauty in a glass of water. There's beauty in a breath. There is so much to appreciate in a mouthful of water, a sip of water. There is so much to appreciate in one breath in and one breath out. But it takes practice. Because brain that nature gave you, the highly evolved piece of equipment between your own two ears, is actually designed to keep you in that crap cocoon. It's designed to keep you immune from what is actually going on around you. I know it sounds weird, but there were very good evolutionary reasons for it tens of thousands of years ago, or at least thousands of years ago. Very good evolutionary reasons why we are actually, as normal crazy people, divorced from reality. And when we are divorced from reality, where we can't touch reality, when we breathe and we don't notice that we're breathing, so we can't appreciate the joy of breathing, 
then it is very difficult for us to appreciate anything, be grateful for anything, and be able to do anything about anything because we're experiencing nothing. So therefore, it takes practice to be appreciative. It takes practice to be grateful. And the one thing that will enable you encourage yourself to keep practicing so that you become more immersed in the here and now, more grateful, if you like, and more appreciative of the joys of life is the experience of the joys of life. I got a wonderful email. This this brings me to what I really want to talk about in this week's episode. I got a wonderful email on Sunday from a girl that I've been working with at a guess I would say I first met her seven years ago in Zurich. A one-to-one, it was organized by the company that she was working for at the time. We spent the day together. We explored what I've just been talking about, how the normal mind divorces us from reality and how using our normal way of thinking, we could never imagine the kind of life that would literally fall into our lap if we only let it. Now, I suppose like most people in the corporate world, myself included when I started out on this journey first, the girl in question was a relatively slow learner. That is not a commentary on the individual. Uh, just consider what we are up against when we start out on this journey. We're not just up against all of our adult lives, normal way of thinking. We're up against 1.8 million years of slow grinding human evolution. We have not an uphill battle on our hands because that would suggest that we might as well just throw our hands in the air and give up right from the word go. But it does take practice. That's the point I was making a minute ago. We need to keep encouraging ourselves and be encouraged by our own experience so that we continue to practice for the rest of our lives. It is a lifestyle choice, moment to moment. We've talked about the choice, the one choice that you need to get right in life. Am I present or am I all over the place? It's a lifestyle choice moment to moment. And it is a lifestyle choice that we can only make through practice. And, you know, practice really becomes an awful lot easier when you have an experience or experiences of how life really works so that you are encouraged to go further and that you are encouraged to practice. Or should I say that you encourage yourself to practice and you encourage yourself to go further. Over the years, people have said to me, oh, the one thing I fall down on is discipline. I'm the most undisciplined individual around. And I think most people would hold their hand up and say that discipline is one of their failings. You know, you start out at the beginning of the year. Here we are. I'm recording this on Valentine's Day. It is six weeks, pretty much to the day, since everybody embarked on 2023 with a whole host of New Year's resolutions. And, you know, decades of research would strongly suggest that you've probably forgotten your New Year's resolutions for 2023 already. It isn't just that you've fallen down or that you haven't practiced what you preached to yourself at the beginning of the new year, you've actually forgotten what your New Year's resolutions were. Now, 
I think the research is wrong in that regard for one very simple reason. Most people's New Year's resolutions are the same from one year to the next. So it is quite difficult to forget the same thing again and again and again. And most people will actually freely admit, oh, yeah, I've forgotten that I was supposed to be practicing something or I was supposed to be doing something different. Hasn't life gotten in the way all over again? But I remember what my New Year's resolutions for 2023 were because they were the same for 2022, 21, 20, 1918, 17, 16, blah, 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 blah. But here we are. We are very bad as ordinary human beings when it comes to discipline. It becomes an awful lot easier when you have evidence from your experience of everyday life that encourages you to put your best foot forward today, that encourages you to continue to practice, to go further. Now, there are two different things. We all need to practice every day. And for as long as I live, I will be meditating every morning. Because as I said to somebody recently, you know, look at the Lionel Messi's or Cristiano Ronaldo's of this world. The superstars, I'm just happy to pick on footballers. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. Those guys go out on the training pitch every Tuesday morning and run around cones like the apprentices like the people who have just started out in their careers. We all have to do the basics. And that's the first point I would make to you. You need to practice. You need to practice the basic every day. You need your morning meditation. You need during the course of the day to stop yourself for a couple of little mini meditations, a couple is too little, half a dozen mini meditations during the course of the day. You need to do the basics, but you need to go further. Now, I've been working with a number of people one-to-one -one over the last couple of months, encouraging them to go further. Indeed, actually, the week after next, I will be hosting an advanced meditation retreat. That's not an advertisement. It's only open to online program owners. It's only for six people, and the six people have already signed up, so it's not an advertisement. I'm not trying to sell you anything. What I'm saying to you is that I'm encouraging those people, as I have encouraged and continue to encourage the people with whom I work one-to-one -to, -one to go further. In other words, yes, you need to do the basics. You need to run around the cones every morning. But from time to time, you need to push yourself almost to the edge. If you pushed yourself over the edge, if you challenged yourself too much, you would set yourself up for failure. But the flow research from the University of Chicago strongly suggests that we need to keep ourselves on the cusp of challenge. We need to keep ourselves so close to the edge of being comfortable that we always have, so to speak, one foot outside our comfort zone. That goes for everything. And perhaps most importantly, it goes for meditation. How can you challenge yourself? Well, instead of meditating, sitting in your comfortable chair every morning, you could sit on the floor with your back unsupported. The pain that you will experience is real. The pain is real. It's coming from your own body. There's nothing realer than what we experience in our own body. You could buy yourself a little meditation stool, a meditation cushion, and from time to time meditate in physically uncomfortable conditions because that 
focuses in the mind. But perhaps one of the most effective ways of pushing ourselves in our meditation is by lengthening the duration of the exercise that we do. Now, I am not for one minute suggesting to you that you need to follow some of the strictures of, for example, transcendental meditation that suggests that you need to meditate for 20 minutes every morning. They suggest, by the way, that you need to meditate for 20 minutes every evening as well, which baffles me because meditation turns you on. You don't want to turning yourself on at eight or nine o'clock at night you want to allow yourself gradually cruise down into the state of mind where you will get the kind of good night's sleep that is so necessary for our long-term mental health we covered that a couple of weeks ago but you know vipassana meditation the form of meditation in which i'm trained um I was going to say suggests that you meditate for 60 minutes every morning. It doesn't. They're the rules. Now, I'm not talking about rules here at all. Forget all the rules because, you know, we said a few minutes ago that your normal way of thinking will constrain you. Uh, religion and the rules around religion constrains people. We live in a constrained world. We are constrained into conformity. We are constrained to conform with the norms of everyday life. That's why normal people are normal, crazy people. So I'm not talking about conforming to any rules. I'm not talking, uh, I'm not setting any rules for you. What I'm suggesting to you is that every so often, and by that, I mean, it could be every fortnight or whenever the feeling takes you, actually would even be better, that you might meditate for longer or you might meditate without listening to any guided meditation. In other words, unguided meditation. Sit and simply be with yourself and allow your mind to settle. Now, most people, when they venture into the world of unguided meditation, come back to me and they say, I'm finding that very difficult. I'm finding that very challenging. And my answer always is, well, that's good because we need to challenge ourselves all the time. Stick with it. You need to push yourself, but you need to push yourself ever so gently so that you never set yourself up for failure. You always set yourself up for putting your best foot forward on this gentle and wonderful journey where we eventually get to the point where we are practicing every day without feeling the need to discipline ourselves into practicing every day and that we are so here and present every day that we are experiencing and appreciating the experience of the moment to moment to moment of everyday life. Now, what I said to you earlier on was this gets easier if you have evidence that encourages you. So I want to go back to the friend of mine, girl that I met first time in Zurich, uh, probably seven years ago. I got an email from her at the weekend. This girl has been on a journey. She's an online program owner. If you are an online program owner, you probably know the individual that I'm talking about because she was a regular on our Zoom calls over a period of time when she didn't have the evidence that would encourage her to keep going. And yet she kept going. She was party to a number of conversations that we would have had on Zoom maybe a year and a half ago, online program owners on a Wednesday evening, when people... A number of people were in the same boat and they were encouraging each other, as I was, of course, to, in the 
words of another one of the program owners to follow the process and trust in the process. Now, the interesting thing is that the guy who was talking about trusting in the process had no evidence to support his belief that he should trust in the process at that point in time. Or let me put it another way. He, at that point in time, had no evidence yet. Now, you see an awful lot of people say to me, why has nothing happened? Why has the perfect moment to which I've set my mind not happened? And I always add the word yes to the end of that question for the simple reason that, as I say to everybody who is sitting there waiting, as somebody said to me recently, I feel like I'm in the waiting room. I said, pull yourself together. This is your life. You're not in any waiting room. So many people have said to me over the years, I feel like I'm waiting. Why is my perfect moment not happened? And I keep saying, why is your perfect moment not happened? Yes, because the perfect moment will only happen at the perfect moment. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the perfect moment. Now, my friend from Zurich, well, she's not from Zurich, that's where we met. She was saying to us on Zoom at the time, why is my perfect moment not happened yet? So she was suffering from something else that afflicts most of us. Impatience. It kind of goes hand in hand with lack of discipline. It's part of what might loosely be called the human condition, particularly in the world that we live in now. If you order something online, you want it tomorrow. That's why Amazon makes so much money out of their prime next day delivery service. If I want something, I don't want to save up for it the way we were all taught to save up for, it, for anything in Ireland in the 1960s or 70s. I want it now. People want what they want, and they want it now. I think there's a song in that. I think Freddie Mercury might have previously written a song in that regard. So we won't go off in that direction. But the point I'm making is that impatience is part of the human condition. But that is to mislead you, because it's not the human condition. It's just the brain and the way of thinking that evolution gave you. The brain that nature gave you is not fit for your purpose. So therefore, if you're undisciplined, it's only because of the brain and the way it evolved that you have between your ears. If you are suffering from impatience, it's only because you think you're suffering from impatience as a result of the brain that nature gave you, the piece of equipment highly evolved between your own two ears. You know as well as I do, because we've talked about this on many occasions, that you take charge of your own personal evolution when you meditate. So you're actually going to create a way of experiencing your life. I didn't say a way of thinking. A way of experiencing your life for real in the here and now as a result of meditating. The problem is the discipline required to meditate is one of our failings from the way in which our brains evolved. So it's kind of like a catch-22, isn't it? You have to trust the process without having evidence that the process works. And you have to be disciplined to enable yourself to become disciplined when actually in the first place you're undisciplined. You have to be patient when impatience is part and parcel of normal crazy existence. Really what you have to do is take a leap and listen. Listen to the evidence for starters of other people. Back to my friend who I met for, for the first time in Zurich because I got a lovely email from her on Sunday. And she said, I, I often think of you when I am going about my new job. I'll come back to that in a moment. Because I find my new work 
to be completely effortless. And I often say to myself, this is what Willie was always talking about. That, you know, when you're in flow, everything you do is effortless. Now, that, by the way, is a scientific fact. There is neuroscientific proof that when you're in flow, you use almost no neural energy to do what you have to do. I didn't say physical energy. If you were a forester chopping down trees, you'd use a lot of physical energy, but it'd feel effortless to you if you were in flow. There's clear and confirmed research in relation to that. But the research doesn't matter a damn. What matters is that I hear from people regularly who say to me, ah, this is what you're talking about. Doing what I need to do, doing it effortlessly, feeling as if everything is in flow. Experiencing flow and, and here's the key thing, appreciating that they're in flow. Not just being grateful for the fact that they're in flow, but actually appreciating it, embracing the flow. Now, the interesting thing is she talked about her new job. Those of you who know who I'm talking about will know how impatient she was when she wasn't getting the job that she wanted about a year and a half ago. And she'd come on the Zoom calls and it was almost a running joke. I'm not telling tales out of school. She was laughing at it as much as the rest of us. It was almost uh, an in-joke that she'd come on and say, oh, I'm impatient. Why has nothing happened yet? And my other friend was saying, stick to the process, follow the process, trust the process. And I was saying the perfect moment will only happen at the perfect moment. And she then almost out of the blue, the perfect moment, quote unquote, just happened. She got a dream job in a way that she had never anticipated using her thinking mind. It fell into her lap. That's a phrase I hear so often from so many people. But she wants to go further. This is the going further that I talked about a few minutes ago because nobody should be sitting on their laurels because you become complacent. And when you become complacent, the laurels rot under your backside and you slide backwards. It's simple as that. So she wants to keep moving forward. And she said to me in the email, I'm just flowing through life. It's all effortless. I love my work. The team that I manage has just been voted by corporate headquarters in the United States as the number one team in the world. I went over and I picked up our accolade, our award, came back triumphant and that encouraged everybody. And I know I will go further because I trust it'll just happen. Listen to those words. Just happen. Things will just happen if you let them. But the key word in that sentence is trust. Back to the other guy who was encouraging her without any evidence from his own life that he should be encouraging anybody because he was looking for, uh, just by coincidence, a dream job at the same time. And I happened to be working one-to-one -one with him over the course of the year in question. And he'd go for interviews and having put his best foot forward, he would contact me and say, oh, another one bites the dust. Ooh, there's Freddie Mercury again. What a coincidence. Um, sorry, that's a complete and utter digression. Don't know what I'm on about. But this guy kept saying to me, I know I didn't get that job because I know that isn't the best job for me. And when something doesn't happen, I know that something better is about to happen. And then 
out of the blue, the job that he couldn't have imagined getting, because he didn't even think he was qualified for it, fell into his lap. He had set his mind, in the way all of the people with whom I work set their mind, by handwriting how it feels when they actually achieve their goal or objective. Now, I need to be clear in relation to that, so I'm going to say that again, but slightly differently. They handwrite how the experience of having achieved their objective feels. It's all about feeling. Now, obviously, with feeling goes something like I'm sharing my news with somebody else or I'm tasting a glass of champagne or I'm doing cartwheels on the beach. You know, obviously, you know, we don't experience in complete and utter isolation. But this guy, who was constantly on the call encouraging people, who was trusting in the process, had handwritten what I call, and what you will have heard me refer to on many occasions, as his perfect moment. He handwrote his perfect moment. And in doing so, allowed his doing brain, his subcortical brain, go and deliver for him that which he subconsciously expected as a result of handwriting his perfect moment. But in the meantime, he meditated every day to ensure that he was present enough so that when the perfect moment arose, he was ready for it. He was the right man in the right place at the right time. And all the way along, he was following the process and trusting the process. Do you know what perfect moment he wrote? It was Good Friday last year, Good Friday morning, Friday of Easter weekend. And I wasn't working. I was sitting outside in the beautiful sunshine, just taking in the surroundings, appreciating the surroundings, when my phone rang. And he said to me, he said, I'm living my perfect moment. I said, how do you mean? He said, I wrote down how it would feel to telephone you, to tell you that I had got the job of my dreams and it had just fallen into my lap. That was his perfect moment. First of all, this is how you set your mind. But the most important thing is that having set your mind, that you trust the process. You turn up to every now. You appreciate every now. You appreciate the joy of breathing in and out regardless of whether the sun is shining, as it was this morning when I walked, or whether the wind is blowing and the rain is horizontal, as it is in the west of Ireland, as some of my clients from that part of the world tell me, regardless of what is going on around you, your job, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to turn up to your life moment to moment and allow yourself trust the process so that in allowing yourself do so, you allow yourself literally fall into the right situations in the right way at the right moment, fully armed as a result of your being fully present. This is how it all hangs together. I know what's best for me. And I know what's best for me because through practicing every day, I have further cleared my mind every day. So in clearing my mind, what is best for me becomes clearer to me. 
And as a result of clearing my mind every day, I turn up to my life every now. I appreciate every now, or most nows. I mean, we're all only human. I appreciate breathing in and out. I appreciate the joy of life. And then, to quote a number of other people, and I've heard it this a number of times recently, I surprise myself. I surprise myself by just embracing what's going on or doing the right thing or saying the right thing. And what happens amazes me. And it feels like it just happened. Now, of course, of course it would feel as if it had just happened. Because when you're in that frame of mind, when you're in that flow, everything is effortless. So forget about any notions that you might have of falling down when it comes to being disciplined. Forget about the thoughts that pepper your mind, plague your mind, that lead to impatience. Run around the cones every morning, push yourself a little bit, turn up to your life, appreciate the joy of the moment, and let your life unfold. To succeed, just let go. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit wwwwilly horton